0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. Um, I know probably many of our, our folk are away enjoying the beautiful weather out somewhere in beautiful, beautiful Pure Michigan, but we're here together to worship in community at Sunrise. So bless you all. We're excited to to be here together. And uh, welcome to anybody who may be here for the first time. Special welcome to you guys. Thank you for being here with us. Um, That said, welcome to you guys worshiping with us online, wherever you may be. Excited to have you with us as well. Why don't you guys stand with us as you prepare for worship. I'm Dan. I'm the worship pastor here. Um, I'd like to start off by um, reading from Psalm 96. Uh, There's so many great psalms that speak of... God's creation and the beauty of creation. And uh, that's what we're gonna be singing about in the first song Christ be magnified. But this is from Psalm 96, uh, verses 11 and 12. So hear these words Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. So as we sing today, we're gonna join in creation, we're gonna join in heaven's song and proclaiming God's goodness. We're going to say, Christ be magnified. Let's worship together.
1: Were creation suddenly articulate? With a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. we the whole. we the whole earth, echoing his enemy his name would burst from sea and sky, and from rivers to the tops we'd hear Christ be magnified. Sing, O oh Christ. melody And strong and worship you. If it puts me through the fire, I'll rejoice, cause you're there too, and won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I'll join you in your sufferings Then I'll join you when you rise When you return in glory With all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing My song will be the same oh, Christ be magnified Just let his praise arise Magnified in me, singing. Oh, Christ be you magnified. In the altar of my life, Christ be you magnified in me. And oh, Christ be you magnified. Just let His praise arise. Christ be you magnified. I No worth. Oh, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so. i couldn't earn it i don't deserve it still you give yourself away Snow all you God.
0: Just pray with me. Oh God, we're so thankful for your love, for your goodness, and for your kindness. And just as those words we spoke, God, we're so thankful that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to perform for your love, we don't have to say the perfect prayer. We don't have to earn all A's. God, you give it so freely. Thank you that you fight for us, that you chase us down, you pursue us. No matter where we may be on our our path or on our journey or stumbling, we feel, but God, thank you that you ran after us. We don't need to feel guilt or shame for running away but God, thank you for pursuing each one of us and just pouring out your love. God, we give you all the honor and praise this morning. We love to sing. We love to praise. God, we just offer up these prayers to you this morning. It's in your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat.
2: Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are we today? It's good to see you all in second summer because it's like 90 degrees outside, not fall at all. But that's okay. That's what Michigan does to us all the time. Never makes up its mind. Just always tricks us. Always tricks us. Well, anyways, it is so good to see you all. Uh, How many of the students that are in here are excited to be back in school? I didn't think so. How many parents are excited their kids are back in school? A few, a few, a few. How many parents are not happy their kids are back in school? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Anyways, we have a couple quick announcements this morning. The first one is this. This Tuesday, September 5 at 6.30 p.m., all the men are invited to pub theology around the fire, right? Because fire, why not fire? At the Matthias' backyard. Noah, could you put your hand in the air just so everyone can say, Hi, Noah. That is Noah. It will be in his backyard. It'll be a great time. I've heard nothing but good things about Pub Theology. Next Sunday is our fall kickoff. We can, can, I, who, 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 did, who did that? Who did that? Thank you, Carissa. Thank you, Carissa. Yes, it is exciting. Next Sunday is our fall kickoff. It's going to be a great Sunday. We're going to have all kinds of cool things happening around here. Some information about how you can get involved here at Sunrise. Uh, it's just going to be a really great Sunday. Make sure to be here. Dan, is it going to be good? We're have extra donuts, yes. It, we will have extra donuts, everybody. Okay, and the calories don't count because it's the Lord's house. All right, so <laughs> make sure you're here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, in the next two weeks, actually, excuse me, in two weeks, uh, wine and theology will meet at the Rosamah Home on September 12 at seven. Everyone say September 12th. At 7. Beautiful. Ladies, if you would like more information, you can talk with Pam Rosema or Jessica Ritchie. Um, I haven't seen Pam this morning, but I saw Jessica sitting over here. Uh, If you'd like more information, chat with them, and they will be happy to help you out. Also, if you would like to join the Wine and Theology Facebook group, make sure to connect with them as well. Well, anyways, at this time, we're going to go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and greet your neighbor around you, say hello, and the students are dismissed.
3: Good morning, everyone. You can have a seat if you would, please. I'm guessing about right now, many of you are asking the question that's on the screen who is this guy? It's a fair question, so let me take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Bill Vanderwerp. That's my wife Amy sitting over there. Everybody say hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. We've been attending here at Sunrise uh, since about last February. I am an ordained pastor in the Reformed Church. I graduated from Western Seminary back in 2005. After that, I pastored a church full time for six years. And for the last 12 years, I've kind of found this niche ministry of providing pulpit supply to churches around the area. I do that anywhere from 37, 38 times a year to as few as three this year so far. Uh, During this time, I've worked different jobs. I do that so I can sleep indoors and continue to eat. (laughs) Also do it for the health insurance. Currently, I'm working at Sound Off Signal, just south of Hudsonville. I've worked there for about two and a half years. Now, just a little disclaimer here. I always get a little nervous the first time I preach at a church. But when I preach at a church, I've also been attending and want to keep on attending. Then my anxiety level goes through the roof. So bear with me today. And to help with that, let's start with prayer. Living God. In the reading of scriptures, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. And Lord, I once again ask that you would speak to me, that you would speak through me, and most importantly, that you would speak in spite of me. Amen. Amen. As a defendant was testifying in court, the judge interrupted him and asked, Sir, do you understand that you have sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do, said the the defendant. To which the judge said, well, then what do you have to say to defend yourself? Your honor, said the defendant, under those limitations, nothing. Hold on to that thought for just a few minutes. The Gospel of John provides us with a unique perspective on the life and ministry of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus doesn't simply speak God's Word and do God's work. He does these things because He is God's Word and work. John's gospel moves very quickly from these familiar opening words to Jesus' baptism, the calling of his disciples, and then into his ministry and his conflicts with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Now I invite you just to sit back and listen to these words from John 8 and try to imagine that you're one of the people in the crowd as this story played out 2,000 years ago. This follows a long day of ministry work and we're told in John 8 that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning he was back again in the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down to teach them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her In front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he sat down again and wrote in the dust. When they heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd With the woman. Then he stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And he said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Whenever I read a text like that, I first look at the big picture of what is happening. But then my mind starts to wonder about a lot of the smaller details that we are not necessarily told about. Do you ever do that when you read stories in the Bible? When I read this story, I wonder, who was in the crowds that followed Jesus that day? I wonder what the people were thinking when Jesus was teaching. I wonder if they felt sorry for this woman or if they were ready for a good stoning. I wonder if they were angry with Jesus for challenging their religious leaders or if they were thinking it's about time somebody stood up to them. Do you ever think about things like that? The thing I wonder about most in this story What was Jesus writing on the ground? I'm guessing some of you have wondered that too at times. Now, if Jesus was anything like me, he was probably just doodling and thinking to himself, watch this. If I do this long enough, it's going to drive them absolutely nuts. Fortunately for all of you, Jesus isn't anything like me. As the son of Mary... He may have been thinking about his mom, who could have been stoned like this woman if his earthly dad hadn't been such a stand-up guy. Jesus' human nature may have been writing, Dad, I'm sick and tired of dealing with these Pharisees. Please let me push the spike button just this one time. Please, Dad. His divine nature may have written, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Or maybe, just maybe, being both fully human and fully divine, Jesus wrote, Don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you do. Don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you do. The Pharisees put that woman in front of the crowd. Now, I'm no expert. I have no personal experience with this. But as far as I know, it takes two people to commit adultery, right? But only the woman has been singled out here. There's absolutely no mention of the man who was involved. Doesn't seem quite fair, does it? And it gets worse for this woman. She's given no chance to speak in her own defense. They just publicly humiliated her. They accused and condemned her. They wanted to see her suffer, to be punished. Actually, they wanted to see her killed. So they were acting as her judge, jury, and executioners. Do you think that people today ever feel like we live in a judgmental world? Of course they do. You probably do too. It's like this slide says, we're judging you for judging us. And since you're judging us, we're judging you. It's a vicious cycle. Now, some forms of judgment are a good thing. We live under a set of laws that are designed to keep us safe and to protect us. And if we break one of those laws, we will find ourselves in a courtroom in front of a judge. Sports are ruled by judges, too. We call them things like umpires, or referees, or even judges. But judgment today has also become a form of entertainment. There are a lot of judges on television these days. We have all the TV award shows like the Grammy and Oscars, and that list goes on and on. We have all of the TV talent shows, The Voice, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, And, of course, we have TV courtroom shows like Judge Judy and many others. And the people who judge these events or these shows are picked to be entertaining, even controversial. And whether we want to admit it or not, the popularity of these shows indicates that we enjoy watching them dish out their harsh criticism and sometimes even humiliate the contestants. The reality of our lives is that we are all being continually evaluated by others, by the people above us in the corporate hierarchy, by our neighbors in our communities, even by our friends. I'm a guest preacher. I know you're all judging me. Some of you are probably texting Dennis right now, saying, what were you thinking, letting Bill up there? It's okay. I'd probably do the same thing if I was in your seat. Because like I said, we are all continually being evaluated by others. We're judged in terms of our achievements, our competence, our personality, our looks, our social status, our bank accounts, even by our children's accomplishments. It's a good thing there's no such judging and controversies in the church today. Yeah, right. I'm going to take just a little bit of a detour for a moment here to share an example of what I mean here. This goes back many years to when I was a younger man, and my wife and I were serving as youth leaders at a church in Zealand. Now, if you're familiar with Zealand, you know there's a train track that runs through the middle of Zealand that cuts the town in half north and south. We lived on the north side of the tracks. We were told by other leaders in that youth group that we should move to the south side of the tracks because we'd fit in better with the people at the church if we lived on the south side of the tracks. Not too long ago, shortly after Amy and I were married, we were living in an apartment on the south side of Holland and attending a church nearby. And so I think it was the second week I was there, a gentleman approached me to introduce himself and talk to me, and he asked me where he lived, and I told him. And he pulled this funny look, and he says, you live in those apartments? You know, there's really nice condos across the street. You should move into those condos. A few years later, we moved to Hudsonville. We lived in an apartment on the south side of Hudsonville. We were attending a church there and joined a small group. One night at that small group, the people in that group started talking about how those people in the apartments caused so many problems for the community. They overwhelmed the schools. They had problem people living there. The cops were always there. And I said, remember that we live there, right? And they said, well, yeah, but that's different. I said, no, it's not. We live there. And I said, I've never seen the cops there. And I says, there's three kids at the bus stop in the morning when I go to work, you have about three kids per house in the subdivision that go to the schools. We're not overwhelming the schools. Anyway, the, the point is that is multiple times in my adult life, I was told that I didn't live in good enough housing to be fully accepted by the church I was attending. That doesn't feel good. And yet churches wonder why people don't want to be a part Of the church. Go figure. But you don't have to worry. Because we live in a really nice condo now. So people no longer judge us because of where we live. That was a bonus section for today's message. No extra charge. Let's get back to where we were. Loving people is hard. But judging people is easy. For some of us, judging people is even fun. We're good at it. We're competitive about it. We wish it were an Olympic event because we would win the gold. But that is not what we are called to do. We're called to be witnesses. We are called to love and accept people wherever they are at in life, which also happens to food wherever they live. Why? Because people need to know how much we care before they will care about how much we know. People need to know how much we care before they will care about how much we know. I call that Humility 101. This is the intro class. To clarify that just a bit, Jesus did confront this woman about her sin. But only after he defended her, literally saved her life. I think it's pretty safe to say he earned the right to be heard. And we need to do the same thing with others. It's only after we get to know them, befriend them, and understand their situation that we earn the right to be heard. That's humility 201. That's a whole other message for another time. But the problem is, we often skip the part about getting to know and understand people and jump directly into judging them. We do this because we cannot accept others for who they are, because we see in them the sin and brokenness that we choose not to see in ourselves. It's always easier to point out the sins that we don't struggle with than it is to deal with our own sins. For example, it's much easier to go around publicly condemning someone who committed adultery than it is to deal with the lust that we hide in our own hearts. But in God's eyes, sin is sin. So we need to take all sin seriously, especially our own. You don't have to take my word for this. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How could you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If we are going to take sin seriously, then we must first worry about what's in our own hearts. You know, oftentimes unbelievers do refer to believers as hypocrites. And quite frankly, they're often correct about that. You see, hypocrisy results when we take the sins of others more seriously than we take our own sin. That's the most important takeaway from my message this morning. You are not the judge. It's not our job to judge others. It's not our job to change people. Our job is to bring others to God, and if they need to be changed, the Holy Spirit will work on changing them. So don't play God. It's not our job. Scripture is very clear on this point. Jesus Christ is the only one who should be judging people for their actions. There's only one judgment seat, and Jesus is the only one who can fill it. Romans eight thirty three and 34 say, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you ever condemn other people? You know you're condemning others when you elevate yourself above them. My boss is an idiot. And you're not. All they want to do is stir up trouble. And you don't. That was really stupid what they did and you don't ever do anything stupid. Romans 3:23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That's every one of us. Me included. And yet for some reason we still cannot accept others for who they are because we see in them the sin and brokenness we choose not to see in ourselves. If I'm not willing to keep an eye on myself, then what makes me think I should be watching you? It's easy to let ourselves get caught up in the idea that, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But instead of comparing ourselves to others, we need to spend more time praying for each other. That's praying spelled with an A and not an E. We all sin. I sin. I know, hard to believe, but I sin. You sin. We are all guilty. If you don't think this is true, then um, show me your internet search history. Show me the items on your credit card bill. Or let's talk about the attitude about your neighbor. You know the one that I'm referring to. What about your addiction? Or your road rage? We all sin. And like that courtroom defendant, if we had to only tell the truth about ourselves, we would rather say nothing. So don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you do. Okay, different courtroom, different judge. Judge took his seat in his chamber and faced the opposing lawyers. And he said, I've been presented by both of you with a bribe. Both lawyers began to squirm uncomfortably. And the judge went on to say, you, Attorney Jones, you gave me $15,000. And you, Attorney Smith, you gave me $10,000. Then the judge reached into his pocket, pulled out a check, and he handed it to Attorney Jones and said, so to keep things equal, I'm returning $5,000 back to you. And I'm going to decide this case solely on its merit." One day, one day, just like that woman in John's gospel, we will all stand in front of Jesus. and He knows us inside and out. He knows. And if He were to decide our case solely on our own merit, well, then we are all in big trouble. But there is hope, even as we stand before Jesus. The good news is that divine justice is geared more toward salvation than it is toward damnation. You know these words from John 3:16 through 18 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I hope and pray that everyone here today believes in Jesus and will be able to experience his grace on that day of judgment. If you don't, or if you're not absolutely sure of this, then please don't leave here this morning without talking to me about that. By the way, there's a lot of stuff on that slide. I know that. So if you want a copy of what that slide says, the difference of praying with an A versus praying with an E, my wife has copies of that, and she'll be glad to share one with you after the service if you'd like it. If you are a follower of Christ, if you have experienced his grace in your life, then remember that your calling, our calling, is to be witnesses. Not judges, but witnesses Of His grace. People face enough judgment and condemnation in their lives. When they walk through the doors of this church, do they face more judgment or do they find loving people who will accept them where they are at in their life, brokenness and all? Now we're going to take a couple minutes to listen to the story again. This time, from the perspective of that accused woman who was brought to face Jesus and put in front of the crowd.
4: I've been caught outright
5: and dragged straight into open daylight. Bystanders gawking, the village women absorbing every morsel of gossip. Common decency dictated that the shame of the moment was enough. But the law called for something greater. My life. Of course, a long audience followed behind. Don't think I didn't recognize a couple of them. Their words condemned me, but they didn't dare, me and I. I did everything to try to cover my shame, but I couldn't hide from the onlookers or this holy man whose feet they threw me to. I was finished. I stared at the ground when he said that whoever was sinless, they should go first. They should throw the first stone. Squeeze my eyes shut. Grasping at the gravel, waiting for the end of my life to unfold. Nothing. Though. Then the footsteps. Except they were walking away. I looked up. Is there no one left to accuse you? He asked me. No. He said, it, it is finished. That's something different. That's a different thing. It means that something is accomplished. Restored. He restored my hope. My self-respect and my dignity. I didn't even know I had any left. day when I thought that my life was finished, and the only man there holy enough to demand justice, and me mercy.
3: The Word became flesh and lived among us. That's how we were saved. But the Word is no longer living among us. He left us to be His hands and feet in the world today. And as we do this work, we must never forget these words. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Please pray with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, or to be loved as to love. For it is by giving that we receive, it is is by forgiving that we are forgiven, and it is by dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. This morning, because it is finished, we are going to gather at the Lord's table and celebrate the sacrament of communion together. We come to the table in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into the world to assume for us our flesh and blood, and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death on the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established for us a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted by God and never be forsaken by him. We come to the table to have communion with the same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he comes to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us to eternal life. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are going to bear fruit. And we come to this table in hope. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of that feast of love which we shall one day partake when his kingdom has fully come. When with unveiled face we will stand before him and be made like unto him in his glory. Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body which is broken for you in the same manner after they had eaten he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to them saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it and remembrance of me this is the table of grace we come for all things are now ready. It's the body of Christ that was broken for you. The body of Christ that was broken for you. The body of Christ that was. Broken for you.
0: As we close in our last song, uh, we can all also use this time to give of our tithes and offerings. We have the box in the back. Um, we also have um, a way to give online. You can go to our website or the app. Um, but let's use this time to continue to worship God together.
1: Every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, cause all that I have is a harlot. I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Let's go and stand together.
1: I've got one response. I've got just mood. My arms stretch wide I will worship you yeah. So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again All that I have is a for a Don't you get shy on me lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord come on my soul. oh don't you get shy on me lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of those Lift up your song, cause you've got a line inside of those lungs, Get up and praise the Lord. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, So that I have is a calling. much, but i have nothing else fit for a key except for a heart's seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
3: Brothers and sisters in Christ, as you leave here today, may your thoughts be a May your words bring reconciliation and may your lives witness to the love of Christ.